you'll please turn in your Bibles to Hosea chapter 14. We made it. It's the end. Some of you are saying, thank goodness. I think I am too. Hosea chapter 14, wonderful conclusion to our sermon series on the gospel according to Hosea, the gospel preached to us even in the Old Testament scriptures. After this, next Sunday, it's hard to believe the Advent season is here above us, I don't, upon us, I don't want to skip Thanksgiving, but we will have a sermon series on the songs of Christmas. Found in Luke's chapter 1 and 2, we see songs that were sung in response to the birth of our Savior, so we will study those. Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 through 9, this is God's holy word to us this morning. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all my iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls and vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses. and We will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. And the upright walk in them, but transgressions, transgressors stumble in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. And no less are the words, your words, found in Hosea. Father, thank you that we've had this opportunity to study and to learn and to grow. So we continue to ask that this morning, Lord. Would you teach us and instruct us in the way that we should go through your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Again, in all honesty, I'm kind of glad we're done with Hosea. It's, it's, it's been hard. It's been challenging. It's been in some ways like looking in a mirror and seeing your own sin and your own depravity and your own fallenness. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not good. We, we need hard. 
we, we need to be challenged. And that's why the book of Hosea is a book for the church. It's a word to us. It's a, it's a tour de force on what it means to walk faithfully with the Lord our God. Faithfulness. That's the word that keeps coming to my mind. Faithfulness. Perhaps that's the key thing that God is calling His people to in Hosea. To walk faithfully. Contrary to what you may hear from the world and and even what you may hear in the church, God's top priority for you is, is not to be happy. I'm sorry if that busts your bubble. It certainly busts mine. His, his top priority for you is not to be happy. His top priority for His people and what God wants from us is to be faithful. God calls us to faithfulness. Yes, He does offer us happiness, but happiness comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He offers us His Son, and He calls us to a life of discipleship, to walking faithfully with Him. And so I'm thankful for Hosea chapter 14, because in Hosea chapter 14, as we just read, we're not left with the final word of of judgment. We're not left with a final word of punishment. It almost feels like we're getting to that last chapter and we're expecting God to come in and give a big spanking. But thankfully, He doesn't. Instead, we're we're left with final instructions on what it means to be faithful. Specifically, what it means to be repentant. This is God's final word to us on faithfulness what it means to repent and even confess. So Hosea chapter 14 is a closing call to Israel to confess and repent of their sins that they would be in God's favor again. Again, literally every other chapter has been a word of warning, a word of punishment and judgment. But Hosea 14 is far from that. Because in Hosea 14, look there at the end of verse 3, in in you, in Yahweh God, the orphan finds mercy. We find sweet word from God the Father to His people. We we must not forget, though, that, that up until this point, Israel has been in everything but God's favor. In many ways, Israel has been out of favor with God. Their apostasy, their unfaithfulness, their spiritual adultery had earned them, as we looked at last time, the wage of death for their deeds. But now the tone is very different. Now the tone changes and God comes to them as a loving father. So I hope you've seen as we've studied Hosea that it's, it's a sermon It's a real long sermon. It wasn't 14 different sermons. Chapters and verses were added later. It was one big sermon, one big clarion call to God's people, to faithfulness, to turn from sin and to turn to God. And in this sermon, we found words of exhortation, words of conviction, words of instruction, words of hope. Words to draw you back to God. 
God has spoken to his people in words. And that's why it's important that we read these words, that we understand these words, that we know these words, because these words are God's words. Second Peter 1 tells us that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Hosea is a book for the church. So what is there for us to learn? Well, in verse in chapter 14, we'll learn the true mark of faithfulness is to confess and repent. To confess and repent. And we're going to look at this through the nature of repentance, the blessing of repentance, and the wisdom of repentance. Those are the three things this morning. The nature of repentance, the blessing of repentance, and the wisdom of repentance. The first there is the nature of repentance, verses 1 through 3. How wonderful is it that instructions are actually given to us on how to repent? If you want to learn what it means to repent and what it means to walk with God in faithfulness, then then here you go. Here are the words. Look at the very first word of chapter 14. The word is return. This word literally means to run, to turn back, to go the other way. And that is what part of repentance is, right? It's to turn from sin and to turn to God or to return to Him. Those who are unfaithful, those who have ignored and forgotten God, those who have fallen deep into their sin were to return to the Lord and turn away from their idols and sinfulness. And so perhaps... This morning, the word return is for you. I could preach a whole sermon just on that word. Is the word return for you this morning? Do you you feel far from God? Do you feel like your walk with God is, is dry or even non-existent? Or have you thought to yourself that maybe you have never really known God? This word is for you. Return to God. Return to God. Or maybe even this morning you need to turn to God. Another important thing given to us in Hosea chapter 14 about the nature of repentance is the need that we must confess our sins. We must confess our specific sins. Repentance means that you ask for forgiveness, that you say, Lord, I have sinned against you. But we must not be, we must go a step further. We, we can't be just generic. There's a specific confession of sin that t- must take place. And that's why in verse 2, the instruction to God's people is, take with you words. God's people are to take words with them. And so they were to repent very specifically. Here's the way Israel was to repent Repent in verse 3. First, they were to give up trusting in foreign powers. They were looking at their plight and looking at their situation and think, you know, no big deal. We've got Assyria next door and Assyria, they're going to help us. They're going to be our salvation, our hope. But now they realize the folly of that and they are to repent of it. 
Another form of repentance, a very specific confession, they were to turn from trusting in their own military might. They had acquired some war horses here. And so if you had war horses back in this day, it was like having an army of tanks. And you think, well, if I got an army of tanks, then nobody can stop me. But they were to repent from trusting in their own might instead of trusting in God. Another very specific point of confession for them is they were to rid their lives of idolatry and syncretism. Syncretism meaning, we'll keep worshiping Yahweh God, but let's add in a little Baal worship over here. And These Asherah poles are nice. They were, they were mixing religion. They were praising the work of their hands, and they realized the futility of that, and they confessed that they were doing this. And so for us, it's important to know that when we, that we, go, when we go to God, and when we confess, we must take words. That is why we teach that we must confess specific sins. Specifically, what sins is God calling you to confess this morning? What ways have you been unfaithful? Maybe it's, maybe it's apathy. Maybe you're not just committing some big, overt, scandalous sin. Maybe you're just apathetic to the point where you live like there is no God. Maybe your besetting sin is lust. And you need to do some very specific and hard, hard things to cut that off. Maybe your sin that you need to confess this morning is what Jerry Bridges calls respectable sins. Maybe it's slander and gossip. I mean, those aren't the big sins, right? We must confess. Maybe you need to confess, and this is gut-riching. We're upon the holiday season, and we're going to be around family members, and maybe some we don't need to care, we really care about. Maybe we need to confess hatred toward a family member. Maybe we need to confess racism, lying, cheating, indifference. What is it that you need to take words with you to confess to God this morning? Very specific confession given for God's people here. And this is for us too. But don't be discouraged in this. Because maybe at times you're thinking, I, I just don't know where to start. I know I'm far off from God. I know I have sin that I need to confess. But where do I start? Well, brothers and sisters, this is where the Bible comes in great use. Because the Bible gives us prayer language. And not just prayer language, it gives us words to confess. The Bible is a two-edged sword. It pierces our hearts. It it convicts us, it shows us what sins we need to confess. The Bible gives us words. We could even take Hosea chapter 14 home and read it and pray through it. Lord, I confess to you that this is me. This is where I've been. But confession and repentance, we can't boil it down to just a formula 
It must be genuine. It must be real. It must not be half-hearted. It must be accompanied by true obedience and worship to God. God wants your heart. And the, pray, and the, and the, the, the praises and the, the posture that He wants from us is a broken and contrite spirit, Psalm 51 says. So confession involves an appeal to the grace of God. Lord, forgive me, for you are gracious. Because confession is only possible because God is a compassionate Father. That is why they confess, in you the orphan finds mercy. In God, we're all orphans to some degree, right? (laughs) We all find mercy mercy in God. And so we appeal to him. We confess on behalf of his mercy. But confession must be more than just words. There must be genuine heart change. We not only turn from sin, we not only use words to confess, but our our actions must follow. We turn to something better. We turn to God and we follow His will for His lot for our lives. Yes, we must return, we must confess, we must go to God with a broken and contrite spirit, but ultimately it is God Himself who turns to us. It is God Himself who comes and seeks us. It is God Himself who has turned away His righteous anger from us And put it on his son. It is God himself who has directed his righteous anger. Toward Jesus Christ on the cross on our behalf. You see we can't pay back to God all the sin that we've committed. We we can't go to God and offer some atonement for our sin. We must look to Jesus Christ. God knows this. He knows we can't do anything about our situation. And that's why at the cross, Jesus was punished so that we would not have to be. That's why at the cross, we find grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, blessing after blessing. And so we do find in verses 4 through 8, the blessings from repentance. When we go to God, we turn from our sin and turn to God, we find great blessings. And that's what verses 4 through 8 are all about. God's initiatory love, His blessings and love and comfort and joy that He showers upon His people. And it's all what God has done, not what we have done or even could do. Look there in verse 4. It is God who heals our apostasy. I mean, think about that. What's what's the worst sin that could be committed? Well, the scriptures say apostasy. Forsaking God. And here he comes in and says, I'm going to heal their apostasy. I'm going to love them. I'm going to draw them back to myself despite their unfaithfulness. 
He is going to love them freely. He's not going to look at their actions because they've been unfaithful and they've been wayward. He's going to love them anyway because they're His. And again, ultimately, is God who is going to turn His anger. I'm going to turn my anger from them, He says, because I'm going to put it all on my Son. Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, that big theological word where God's righteous anger and holy wrath were satisfied on the cross by Jesus' death. The love of God is is so impossible to define at times. It's, It's so wonderful, it's so vast, it's so amazing, and most of the time, we don't know how to describe it, and so the, the Bible uses, and, and even the secularists use songs and, and poetry to describe what God's love is like. That's why we do a lot of singing in our service. We're singing of the love of God. And that is what we find in verses 5 through 7. We find poetry. We find song. Look at the Images of God's love from nature that we find in in Hosea 14. God says that he will make them like a lily. His love is like that, like a cedar of Lebanon, like an olive tree, like grain, like vine, like wine from Lebanon. God's love brings blessing. It brings beauty, strength, and value. A healthy and prosperous and blessed people will thrive under a God who is life-giving and refreshing like the dew. That's why only love can get men to sing and recite poetry. A lot of talk in here about Lebanon. Why Lebanon? Why should I be excited about the wine of Lebanon, the fragrance of Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon? Well, Lebanon to Israel was this very lush and beautiful place that was located in Assyria. To them, Lebanon was... It's like heaven on earth. It's a beautiful place. And yet God promises blessing to them even better than Lebanon. His love is even greater than that. His love is in blessing to his people is unrivaled. Because there is no God like Yahweh God. The perceived joy that they thought that they could get from idols and that they could get from Assyria, that they could get from other things, was, was far, far, far short of His great love. Because it is He who made us. It is He who looks after us. Look in verse 8. He says, It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. The blessing of repentance is that you get God. You get all of Him. You get true life and joy. So finally, what is the wisdom of repentance? Verse 9 serves as a, one of the best conclusion statements in all of Scripture. Where Hosea says, whoever is wise... 
Let him understand these things, all these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know these things, all of them. For the ways of the Lord, for the ways of Yahweh God are right. And the upright, the righteous, the godly, they walk in them. But the transgressors, the idolaters, those who turn away from God, they will stumble over these words. Brothers and sisters, it is wise to turn from sin. It is wise to turn from ourselves and to turn to God. To turn to righteousness. And so we must consider the ways of the Lord. God's ways are the best ways. God's ways are the ways to happiness, to fulfillment, to everlasting joy. And so the choices that are before Israel are the same choices that are before us. Will it be wisdom or folly? Discipleship or rebellion? Walking or stumbling? Obedience or disobedience? Life or death? Who are the wise? Who are the discerning? Who are those that Hosea is talking about? I've come up with ten things I could think of, all from the book of Hosea. Who are the wise? Who are the discerning? Those who repent. Those who are faithful. Those who love God. Those who love the church. Those who love their neighbor. Those who love the Word of God and meditate it on day and night. Those who seek God in prayer. Those who serve. Those who see that God is infinitely more satisfying than any person, place, or thing. Those who love truth. Those are the ones that Hosea is calling God's people to. So what is the big takeaway from Hosea? What, what are the things that we're to learn? The ways of the Lord are right. God's ways are the best ways. We are to walk in them. We're to understand them. We're to know them. And so to do this, you must dive into your Bibles. Yes, this is another sermon on Read Your Bible. Dive into God's Word. Read it. Meditate upon it, memorize it, pray through it, because the Bible is the very Word of God. The Bible is God's Word. The Bible is God speaking to you. So perhaps this morning, one of the key takeaways for you is to to actually repent. Fall upon your knees before God and repent. To repent to God and tell them that you've, you've been living in your life all on your own. You've been living only for yourself. You've forgotten Him and you've lived as if you don't need Him. And if you do this, if you confess, then here are the sweet, tender words from God to you. He says, I will heal your apostasy. 
I will love you freely and turn my anger from you. You shall dwell beneath the shadow of my wings. You shall flourish like a great harvest. You shall be blessed. You shall be blessed. And when we do this, this is worth all of our thanksgiving and our praise to Him. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would not read these words and walk away unchanged. Father, we pray that we would be wise and that we would understand these things, that we would discern these things, that we would know your ways, that your ways are right, that your ways are good. Father, forgive us for we have trusted in ourselves. Lord, forgive us for we have looked to the work of our hands. Lord, forgive us where we have forgotten you and maybe even forsaken you. And Lord, if there are any here this morning who have never put their trust in Christ, who have never considered him as the Savior and Lord and King, would you bring them to faith and repentance? Would you draw them to yourself? And Father, for those of us who quite frankly have lived in apathy, Father, would you convict us of that? And would you draw us heavenward to Christ, seated on the throne, who always lives to intercede for us, the author and perfecter of our faith. We praise you and thank you for him. In his name, amen.